Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon. With me today, I have Brandon Stevens and Ricardo Benavidez. We're all getting together through Zoom today because I'm not sure why, but we are. So here we here we are for you guys. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for making this happen. Oh, you're welcome, Jeremy. It's good to be here. It's nice uh, that Brandon's back and feeling healthy. So. Yeah, yeah. Are you feeling healthy, Brandon? Well, I'm doing it the best as I can, but I'm just happy that we have the uh, joys of technology to bring us all together. Um, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back with you guys. Nice. Yeah, everybody had a uh, safe and insane 4th of July, I take it? Uh, well, as sane as it can be with family, yeah. Facts. That, that's true. Yeah, I, I definitely, I've definitely had one of the most relaxing and chill Fourth of Julys I've had in quite some time. Didn't do anything. Just stayed home. Sat out in my lawn chair in my driveway with my neighbor. I was about it. Really relaxing, man. Brandon, you were at the. Uh, you and your family were at the at a uh, the the city of Lacey firework extravaganza that uh, resulted in, in a shooting late in the evening i guess you guys were already gone but that, that's pretty wild man it doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise yeah, me this gun violence Jeremy, it's like nothing really surprises you anymore i mean why i have to admit while i was there it was a great time it seemed safe and my family had a blast but you know like ricardo said it's not really surprising man that you know it, it just any event now that you go to, it doesn't matter what it is, it turn into some sort of uh, gun violence. It's, it's just yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's yeah, crazy. well, let's, let's not and forget. Then to have, and then to be, no, I was going to say, and then, you know, the next day you have a mass shooting out of 4th of July parade, and it's just, it's, uh, it's sad, man. Yeah, yeah, let's not forget uh, gun violence is one of the leading causes of spinal cord injuries as well, so. Um, you know, we need to, something's got to change with this, man. Things are, things are crazy out here. Yeah. You got to do, you know, our, go ahead, Ricardo. Yeah. You got to do a new New Zealand style, take those AR, those, those, uh, super powerful, you know, military style rifles away from people. I mean, it's, you know, that would be a start. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like, trust me, I'm not for giving everybody giving up all of their guns. But yeah, we don't need to have high power rifles that, you know, I mean, you can't, it's not something you go hunt. I don't know. It just seems, seems crazy. And I don't want to get too political on this, but. Well, I mean, our, our friend of the podcast, our inspiration, um, you know, he was injured um, by gun violence. Uh, Another friend of our podcast, Sam, Sammy B. He had a, a, a good friend of his get shot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're right, Jeremy. This is a, a common occurrence. And it's like we're just um, – it's like Ricardo said, it's not surprising. Like, how can you be surprised at this point? Right. Yeah, it's true, man. It's very true. Um, so, yeah, guys, the uh, Supreme Court – struck down Roe versus Wade, I guess, sent it back to the states, the, uh, the abortion bill, um, which I, I think really, you know, I, I, 
like I always said, I don't want to get too political on this podcast, but I think this really correlates with spinal cord injury research because, you know, a lot of that stem cells come from you know, embryonic stem cells. You know, people, that's a very, uh, you know, controversial issue with, with religious folks. And, um, you know, it seems like a lot of people aren't on the, maybe on the right aren't, aren't for uh, stem cell research until like maybe it affects somebody in their family or something like that. You know, you saw that with uh, Nancy Reagan when, when they thought Ronald Reagan might be able to benefit from stem cell, stem cells, embryonic stem cells uh, with the Alzheimer's that they kind of seemed like they were okay with that all of a sudden, which is, uh, which is always, you know, funny. I mean, I'm glad they come around at, at some point, but it's, it's tough to see it. You know, it's not until it affects them, but you know, talk, you guys, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, and kind of where, what, what your guys' feelings are on it. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her body. Um, because I don't want anybody to tell me what I can do with my body, you know, whether I get a piercing, a tattoo or what have you. Right. And right. so, I mean, I, I know they're totally different things, but if a woman needs to have an abortion for medical reasons, right. Or in the case of rape or incest or, um, you know, just an unwanted pregnancy, she should have the right to do that in the privacy between her and her own doctor. And, um, then in the cases where they're medically needed, you know, the harvesting of those, uh, fetal tissue for research should should be a good thing should be something that people want to do you know um, because then that you know if it's really a life then that life wasn't wasted right um, it's the same thing as an organ donor when you die right um, implanting I mean there are certain religions that won't allow the implantation of other somebody else's organs into you so um, I I, I just think, you know, it's it benefits mankind and other human beings. Um, and it's done in an ethical manner. It should be allowed. And, um, and you know, I, I don't want to like go down the whole ro road of religious reasons why it shouldn't happen or why it should happen. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that we can't come to common sense solutions in, um, practical applications of things like this so and where some dogma comes in and some religious beliefs overrule the rights of so many people half the population basically so yeah you know i, I think uh, yeah and i you know i think that yeah being able to use the you know a tragic event like that like that, cause, i mean i don't think any woman like goes in wanting to have an abortion that can't be like a a fun time for a woman like I mean I'm pretty sure it's, it's a pretty you know it's a rough decision I mean yeah, you're you're, I mean, you're you're it's you know but literally a life and death decision so right but if um, if yeah but if that aborted fetus or whatever can go to to helping you know yeah further further spinal cord injury research or Alzheimer's research or any number of uh, Parkinson's any other uh, number of uh these issues that, that come up with, um, you know, neurological disorders. And, um, you know, it seems like this could have a huge impact on that. And, and I'm sure that, that this decision really is going to, I mean, with, you know, half the states pretty much have already said they're going to outlaw it immediately or as soon as they possibly can. So, I mean, that's a lot less, a uh, lot less for the, the spinal cord injury research 
uh, industry to work with. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a shame, man. And all the other related sciences. So, and then the fact is, is that um, when you shut down uh, Planned Parenthood and stuff like that, you're actually shutting down a woman's right to education too. And that is wrong. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have, uh, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, do you have anything to, to, put, to add in on that, Brandon? Well, I mean, you know, it's gonna be really tough to, to predict exactly what the windfall of this decision is just yet. But, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly going to impact um, in particular, those states where they lean more conservative or kind of right off have maybe back and forth, but have conservative leadership at, at a certain time, uh, because you can't you can't get anything done research wise with that bureaucracy. So yeah, I mean it, it has a huge impact potentially on the spinal cord injury and like Ricardo said, all sciences. So yeah, he he basically nailed it on the head. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Well, um, you know, let's, uh, let's chat about our, our guests today, guys. And I don't think we're going to do an outro. We're just going to, we're going to wrap this up after we talk about, uh, our guy, Stefan Gelly a little bit here. And, uh, I saw an article, um, I, I, you know, I have a feed that comes through a Google alert set up for spinal cord injury, uh, research that, um, a lot of times we'll, we'll add in, kind of feel good stories about folks that have spinal cord injuries. And I saw one about uh, this gentleman named Stefan Gelly from out uh, in Boston. And he was, he got a job working for the Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, I think he's just kind of an usher, uh, which is very cool. Like, and he, you know, he kind of keeps, keeps an eye on the, um, the, the wheelchair accessible seating section, which is much needed, man, as, as you know, me and Brandon, we go to a ton of uh, sporting events and there's, you know, people are always standing like right on, you know, an inch behind you or they're blocking your way to get to your seat or whatever, you know, it's definitely a good, good uh, thing to have in there. I believe somebody that can kind of empathize with the people that are, are getting in and out of their seats there. But um, yeah, I reached out to him, got him on the show. Uh, really interesting guy, really positive guy. Um, thought, you know, he, he's just got, yeah, kind of has a great message. He's um, just got his associate's degrees going to, uh, I think, UMass uh, in, in the fall to, to start in on his uh, psychology degree. And just, yeah, I thought, thought, it was a, thought it was a good interview. You know, he unfortunately got injured falling out of a tree. And um, yeah, you know, that's so funny when you told me that you had just, you called me up and you were done wrapping it up where was i when you when that happened oh yeah you were on your roof right yeah i was on my roof yeah <laughs> and and then while i was on my roof i got this gigantic birch tree in my backyard and i noticed that the winter wasn't that kind to it and there were some dead things in there and then um you said hey i uploaded the interview if you want to go listen to it and i thought maybe i could get up in that tree and cut down some of those branches but uh, after hearing that interview, I gave myself a second thought. <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. Call yeah. somebody. Call somebody yeah. for that, that chore, man. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it was great. It was a great interview. Uh, he's very motivating. He's, uh, uh, I mean, it's almost like 
like a lot of the people you have, I've said this before, Jeremy, on your show, a lot of people take their, um, the the events that happen to them and they uh, take the lemons that they've been given and they make lemonade. But I think one of the best parts of this interview was the amount of uh, therapy that he got compared to some of the other people that you've had on your show. I think he said he had up to four months of uh, therapy and they may have sent him home too early. And that goes back into that whole thing about you have to be your own advocate, right? But you know, because you have a long-term injury person, right? That when you come home from the hospital that you may have to go right back because things may not be as they seem, right? Like with your recent surgery that you had. And that was his case, right? They sent him home too early and he had to go right back. Yeah. and, yeah. you know, he may, yeah, he mentioned that he's dealing with something a lot of people with spinal cord injuries deal with, which is UTIs. And um, he was having them really bad in the hospital leading up to getting out. And then uh, when he did get out, they, he basically had sepsis and they didn't know it and had to send him back immediately. And, um, you know, like, yeah, so he ended up, I think he actually ended up spending like six months in rehab uh, overall, which is like, I, like I said, in the interview, it's kind of a, a blessing in disguise being able to spend that much time doing that but obviously it's not great that you you know had this like terrible uh terrible infection that was you know all over your body that you had to deal with as well so yeah I, yeah and you know you're already in a weakened state it just doesn't help you know you, you you don't know right like i said you don't know what you don't know but i i always say you know you have to be your own advocate when you go to the doctors uh so um, we have a we have a definitely have like a common occurrence with the guests on here is you know everybody has a different experience because um, as other guests have stated you know um, you don't really know no one you don't have a plan for this when it happens right because you wouldn't necessarily prepare for something like this but I'm thinking it would be cool Jeremy if we put together like a a podcast that could be like an easy reference point for like some crucial things that you can do in like the first 48 hours, like as an advocate for yourself, talking to doctors, like I would like these things to be done. I, I personally, if I could, if you had 48 in the first 48 hours in the first week, in right. the first month, what you would, what you would say I need done. Yeah. No, that's that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. We should definitely because do that. I, I, I was thinking like, you know, when our buddy Sam, um, his, his um, friend got shot and had a spinal cord injury, he's like, what should what should he do? And then I like started thinking about all the things we heard on the podcast, like you should get this and that right away. Um, but we don't have there's no there's I don't know if there if there is a definitive guide that's in podcast form, at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that would be, that would be useful, man. I think for a lot of people that, that you know, suffer this injury. Um, yeah. I, I think we should definitely look in, into starting that. Maybe we can, I can collaborate with a few other people that, that have spinal cord injuries and kind of, you know, yeah, take a consensus and figure out what, what the key things that everybody thinks are that, that they need right afterwards. Yeah. And, 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 looking you know, in, and also like looking into experimental drugs and things like that, that could be available. Um, talking to, you know, talking to the, uh, cause I don't even know, like, wasn't it, it was Ricardo, when they got me that Cygen, it was like some nurse at the hospital they had to talk to that was 
associated with them. Is that right? Or did they well, just- well, you had to you had to request it. You the patient had to request it, and it just so happened that Lori, you know, your aunt Lori, um, looked it up, and they said, "Well, we can't." The hospital couldn't um, recommend it because it was still experimental. You had to know about it, right? And if you, I mean, who's going to know about that? I mean, it's not one of the things you go through your day going, well, if I get a spinal cord injury today, what drugs do I need to know about? Right. That's not something you do. And um, that's why, you know, it, it probably didn't do as much good as it could have with you because we were at the very end of the golden hours of you getting that. So. Right. um, And that's so weird that they, you know, you can't even like mention it at the the hospital, can't mention it to the patient, but the, the patient's family somehow, discovers it then they can can get that done so yeah i think that would be a useful useful tool and like even like with this astrazeneca drug that we talked about on the last podcast that can that sounded like a freaking miracle drug and if you can get a hold of that i mean it has to be it must be if it's an astrazeneca drug i'm pretty sure it must be uh fda approved for maybe not for use on that but for use in other things so you think you would think that a human could get it if they needed it or if they wanted to try it out or whatever. So yeah, yeah. might be, yeah, it might be something we could kind of get a, get a list of, of some drugs, like just for people's families to like inquire on, you know, after somebody gets hurt or the patient themselves, you know? Yeah. I just, I think it would be a cool resource for people to have that if they didn't know, if they just went looking for something that they could stumble across this, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it's a good idea, man. That's a really good idea. Um, but and, so, and that, so, that just, that just, I mean, the, the fact that, that our guest was able to advocate for himself, that's what you, you need to have that power when you're in this, in the, in this um, situation, because you're, you're literally at the mercy of doctors just to, you know, you don't know anything. So you have to have, be able to advocate. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I found really interesting with Stephen was that, you know, he had, uh, you know, his ordinary day, right, turned upside down um, by his fall, and then he's injured, and then, um, you know, his whole uh, trajectory in his life changed, right? Because, you know, he was saying that he had a, you know, pretty good job, family, uh, business type thing that he was doing, and working out there, and now, you know, he would have never, you know, going to school and, uh um, getting his degree and uh, scholarship was never really anything on his horizon, you know? Right, so, right. yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, the drive that uh, this put into him, um, you know, cause he didn't want to just sit around and be a vegetable, you know, so to speak, you know, he just didn't want to hang out and, you know, let the state take care of him. He uh, was plotting his own um, future, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I, I love that he, you know, he talks a little bit about, I guess, um, after like that first year after his accident, like he would just make himself put a smile on his face and, you know, make the best of it thinking that, and, and, you know, he said he was doing it kind of from the perspective of like, maybe if I'm, you know, like happy and, and content and, and, you know, put a smile on people's faces that I'll be rewarded with more movement or more, and, and, you know, I know that I think like after a spinal cord injury, you kind of like when you're alone, you know, in the dark at night by yourself, you're like, you are like making these like, like, I wonder if I do this, if, 
you know, like, oh, you're talking to God, like being like, man, if, if I could just, you know, just give me like a little bit more movement in my arms or whatever, like you're just making uh, deals, you know, in your head kind of, and, and I could totally relate to what he was talking about. And, you know, he said that that after, you know, that after a couple of years when it didn't come back kind of on the second year, he got really depressed and thankfully was able to, to make it out of that depression. But um, yeah, I could just, I could really relate to what, what he was talking about there. And I thought that was a, an important, um, important point to make. So, uh, and, and just, yeah, the fact that, you know, you, you, it's making the best of the situation while we have to, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, so I think, uh, I think this interview was great. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we hope to definitely hear any feedback and, and we'll, we will be back next week, hopefully in person. We got a, another great guest lined up, a young man named Mike Nichols, who got injured playing hockey in high school. Um, very, very, uh, you know, animated, like great guy. Like we had, we had a very good conversation. Um, and, and yeah, I'm excited about that one. We got a couple great uh, doctors uh, and researchers coming up. One person that um, I just sent, I know I just sent you guys the, the article about it um so you probably haven't had a chance to read it yet but um a company out of uh, i believe zurich switzerland uh made a um like almost like a vest with like sleeves that you can put on that's like very you know movable um flexible that uh, will help you with balance and with like being able to reach for a, a cup or something um without having to worry about losing your balance and falling over uh, just very cool uh, idea that I, I thought I really wanted to get these uh, somebody from their team on the podcast. We have them. I have another. I mentioned it in the interview with Stefan. Um, you know, some doctors from the University of Michigan have been studying how people with spinal cord injuries are actually um, happier and, and more content with with their lives, I guess, than, than able-bodied uh, folks. And, and kind of can, kind of can appreciate the joy of life more, which I, and I guess you know it makes sense because you know we, we were all so close to death that um, you know now now you're just it's blessings, man. So yeah, you got the do over. It may not be ideal, but you have the do over, right? Yeah. yeah so that's uh you know be watching for that. Uh, you guys, please like, rate, review, share the podcast. We appreciate all of the uh all the help you know if you could let people know tell a friend to tell a friend and uh yeah we're we're available anywhere podcasts are at so yeah and um we want to wish steven a lot of luck on his uh additional education and schooling that he's going to yeah. go through and get his psychology degree so right. it's stefan but yeah we yeah stefan stephen <laughs> i'm sorry i just read it i read it differently it's all so. right man it's all right. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he's probably been called Steven a million times in his life. So anyway, we will, uh, yeah, we'll be getting to Stefan Gelly right now, guys. Thank you for, uh, for coming on, making this work and, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. Bye. This week on the live to walk again podcast, we are excited to visit with Stefan Gelly, uh, He's a spinal cord injury survivor. Uh, he works for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he's a student. 
And yeah, Stefan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I really appreciate you asking me to come on. This is pretty cool. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no worries at all. Um, yeah, so you know, for anybody that doesn't know your story already, uh, how did you get injured and, and suffer a spinal cord injury? Yeah, so um, May 4th of 2018, um, I fell out of a tree and I broke my uh, cervical seven, or cervical five, six, and seven, but um, it punctured my spinal cord at C7. So, and you know, anyone that knows spinal cord, I still, the Asia A and Asia B, it still confuses me. I've, I've been told both, but um, I go with Asia B, but <laughs> so C7, Asia B. Um, yeah, but that was a crazy, crazy time, you know, in my life. And, you know, um, but yeah, that's what happened. I fell out of a tree. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. So, you know, were, did you like stay conscious the whole time? Like, um, um, you know, I did for like, I fell, I, they say estimate about, um, 20 feet and I did, I was conscious for about 45 minutes, but then, um, I was, I fell out of conscious after that, but apparently, you know, I was there under the tree for like hours before I was uh, picked up from the hospital, picked up by the paramedics and brought to the hospital. So was anybody else, so nobody else was with you or you just kind of- No, no one was with me. Yeah. So a runner actually uh, was on their morning jog and found me like, and I think it was like nine or 10 hours later that I had been lying there. So um yeah I remember just like looking up at the sky and like not really knowing what had happened to me it was like really weird I I felt like my body was being like almost electrocuted in a way like it just I guess you know the nerves dying like that's kind of what I felt like it was feeling like and then um it felt like my legs were like straight up in the air but I was laying on the ground flat so and I've heard that that's a uh a common like sensation like when you get a spinal cord injury so yeah and um but I did fall out of consciousness and and it was like yeah, nine hours I think wow. and I went to a local hospital and then they had transported me to Beth Israel in Boston because and so I think my surgery was like a full 24 hours after the actual injury happened wow yeah wow so um so, and so you live just outside of Boston is that or so wicked exciting actually like so yeah I grew up like 45 minutes southwest of Boston like um closer to Providence Rhode Island actually uh just north of Rhode Island but um I'm moving to Charlestown Massachusetts which is like right where Spalding rehab is um and that's like a pretty famous rehab for you know people that no spinal cord it's like you know they're always within the top 10 you know rehabs in the country and when I had went there, I was there for six months. I fell in love with the area. Like I love the, it's called the Navy Yard in Charlestown and it's right on the water. And I just was like, you know, one day I'm going to live here. I don't know how, but I'm going to. And fast forward four years, I, I'm actually in it right now. I'm in my apartment. So I'm, I'm still moving in. I haven't moved my bed yet um, because it's, I just found a PCA like within the last couple of days. So I still require some morning help. So I'm still sleeping at my dad's house in Menden, Massachusetts, but um, I have the keys and, you know, paying for the apartment. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, so, so you went through rehab at, at Spalding there in Boston then? Yep. I was there from June, 2018 to December. So six months, the second six months of the year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, that, it was a long cool. rehab stay for sure. Cause I could yeah. not get, um, like medically stable to leave. I had, so, you know, a lot of us suffer with UTIs. Um, mine just for whatever reason in that first year, we're just out of control. I ended up becoming septic, um, needed a uh, pick line, vancomycin, um, for a month long stint. And for that reason, um, I was in and out of the hospital. I ended up yeah, being in rehab for the first six months. So they did try to release me once and I went home with a condom catheter and a super pubic tube. And which was so bizarre now that I look back on it, like, cause I was septic and they didn't know it, which was also really weird that they didn't know that. But um, the next morning I woke up, not okay. Had to go to Brigham and women, which is another like, you know, prestigious hospital in Boston. And then they sent me right back to Spalding for a month of the Vanco pick line. So, um, yeah, it was the wow. last day. So that much, I mean, I know what it was like and, and a lot, you hear from a lot of people with spinal cord injuries, what it's like when you first go home it's it's a little nerve-wracking anyway and then you like that must have been terrible man going home and having to turn around and go straight back to the hospital because you weren't weren't okay and probably didn't have any idea what, what was going on with yourself at that point yeah it was bizarre I mean you it was um you know I he, you hear stories that it's it's common that you know people go right back to the hospital and I just you know this the circumstance in which I left Spalding was a little odd. And now looking back on it, I don't think that maybe I should have been discharged to begin with, but um, like everything else function wise, like as far as like my rehab one, I was like kind of good to go. And that's why they were like, okay, like it's time for you to, you know, discharge, but medically I just wasn't ready. So um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess kind of a blessing in disguise, on some level getting to spend six months in rehab especially you know because I got injured back in 1998 and I mean we got like four months of rehab then and that was pretty long and I know you know you hear horror stories now about people getting injured and a couple weeks later they're trying to ship them out so yeah it's crazy I think that I you know I I do feel really lucky that I got that six months um, but I think that that should be like a standard, you know what I mean? Like I, I, it's such a life changing injury, uh, life altering. It's so dramatic that six months is really, you know, it's not that much time in retrospect. Now I've been injured for four years and it's like, you know, six months it was, but I do feel lucky that I got to have a six months because some people get like eight weeks, you know, right. and I can't imagine you know, I, I just would not have been ready. <laughs> at that time. Yeah, I'm no kidding. Um, so, you know, when you did finally get discharged from the hospital and you went home, um, so you did you move back home with your your parents at that point? Yeah, so my apartment wasn't accessible, you know, Boston, I, I didn't live in Boston, I lived in a town called Holliston, but uh, before my injury, but uh, you know, Massachusetts is old, right? So like, it's just not wicked accessible here. I think that they do a pretty good job at trying to make things accessible but my apartment wasn't an accessible apartment um and so I had to move back in with my dad who has a fully accessible basement 
And um, my dad's side of the family are like all plumbers. So luckily they could just like throw in, they threw in a rolling shower for me, which um, was clut, which is so awesome that I was, I had that. So I had a really good setup at home. Or yeah. I still do. I'm still kind of there half. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's nice that so you, you had that option to, to go to. What, um, you know, I guess, what was it like coming back into, you know, from being, you know, you go to the hospital, like last thing you knew, you're, you're a walking person, you were up in a tree, I guess. So um, falling out of the tree, <laughs> then, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you need help with everything. I'm, I'm assuming you probably have caregivers in and all that sort of thing. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. So it was crazy. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I, I tried to like, look at everything with like humor because that's like what got me through. I was actually in like really, really high spirits the first year, even with all the medical issues. Um, I, you know, I had this theory that if I smiled every single day and if I like laughed and made, and, you know, kind of brought light to people's lives, I would like be rewarded somehow. Um, you know, with maybe more function or like walking or this or that or the other thing. And uh, you just don't know what you don't know, right? You don't. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't until the second year that I really felt, I, I kind of fell into a depression uh, big time my second year. Uh, and then I was able to, you know, come out of that and uh, really hit the ground running with with um, <laughs> hit the ground running, right? Um, you know, hit the ground rolling with what I wanted to do. You know, I went back to school. I got my license and a vehicle. Um, so, but yeah, there was, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs that first two years, um, medically and psychologically, for sure. Right. Um, I needed help in the morning and at night. I don't need any help at night anymore. I still requires some help in the morning. Um, I've gotten ready in the mornings by myself minus a bowel program and like I can do it, but it's just so much easier just to have that extra set of hands and like get out the door because, you know, before my injury, I was able to get, I was, I'm a late person, you know, and I was, I was able to get ready in like 12 minutes flat, like shaving, showering the whole nine. Right. And um, because I would usually jump out of bed already late for something. So you get really used to like getting ready quickly. And so now that it, I got, I come home and it's taking me two hours in the morning. That was like, you know, really difficult to get used to, but um, now I have it down to like an hour and a half from start to finish, which is pretty, I think pretty good. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good time frame for, you know, that's pretty speedy actually for a lot of people I know have, uh, have pretty lengthy uh, morning routines. So, um, you know, and speaking of, uh, you talked about kind of, you put a smile, you made sure to smile every day and try to make other people smile and, and you know, laugh or whatever. Um, yeah, I just read an article, uh, that, a research study out of the University of Michigan found that like people with spinal cord injuries I think are like actually happier or, like can can still reach like um I guess what I don't even know what the word maximum happiness yeah something <laughs> like that um yeah a little easier than people that are able-bodied um which I found very interesting so I, I'm trying to get the the author of the study on the show to talk about that a little bit too but that's funny that you said because I did the kind of the same thing like I just felt like you know I could have 
a, you know, a real shitty attitude and, you know, be upset about stuff or I could just, yeah, put a smile on my face and, and keep yeah. moving forward. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear more about that study too. And I can, I, you know, I can understand, I can understand how that could definitely be true. I mean, I would definitely be interested in hearing like some of the facts behind it, but, and the research done on it, but, you know, after experiencing such a traumatic life change, like you can, you definitely can like appreciate things much more and just, you know, obviously it's cliche, but like the things that we took for granted, right? Like learning how to do them again or differently or like whatever the case may be, like it's, it's a really satisfying feeling. So, and I know that like, I definitely was on death's door. Like I, you know, I, I think the nurses followed me a little bit, like the nurses from the first re- uh, hospital I, I was brought to, they like kind of followed my journey a little bit. And they told me at Spalding because they had both, two of them had come to Spalding to visit me. They had said, you know, the doctor walked in and said, this kid has less than an hour to live. So hearing that I was like, wow, I was so, I was that close to death and um, I get to live today. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. So I'm not going to like waste that opportunity. And I think a lot of us, a lot of other people with spinal cord injury also feel that way, that they're not going to waste the opportunity to continue to live. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's well said for sure. I, I, I can't, couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I saw like the reason I reached out to you, Stefan, was because I saw, I told you, I saw a little a news segment that they, they did on you, one of the local uh, news stations there in Boston. Um, yeah. And they, you know, I want to get to the, the Red Sox stuff in a minute because that, that's like my dream, man. It's the I mean, I'm out here in Seattle. We we have a terrible baseball team for the last 25 <laughs> years. But, um, you know, I did see that you uh, had just earned uh, your associate's degree and were getting ready to go, um, I guess, on to to a four-year university for, for your psychology degree. And your ultimate goal is kind of to provide, you know, counseling or, or yeah. be a psychologist for uh, other folks dealing with spinal cord injuries or, or other, you know, kind of uh, medical issues like that, um, you know, talk, talk about like what kind of motivated, were you in school before your injury and then, uh, took you a while to get back in, or is this something that came about after your injury? No. So actually I was uh, in HVAC and plumbing. So like I had said earlier, my, my whole dad's side of the family, they own a heating, air conditioning and plumbing company. So I had fallen into that, you know, my story has a like, you know, even before my spinal cord injury, just like every, just like everybody, it has a lot of ups and downs. And I kind of got stuck in the routine of, I, I, I ended up like, you know, years ago, I ended up moving home from Florida. Um, Cause I had moved down there, didn't work out, came back, back home. I ended up working for my family for a little while, which ended up turning into like kind of getting stuck there not stuck but you know there was room to grow but I it wasn't like my passion but I didn't um you know I needed to pay bills and uh life just continued to happen so I had to continue to work living paycheck to paycheck so I didn't I you know I wasn't in school I had done no schooling I had some like refrigerant licensing and um you know licensing in HVAC and plumbing but nothing um like academic, I guess. And so when I got injured, I really took that opportunity to be like, okay, what is it that I want to do? And count, and 
counseling always was something that I had thought like from the time I was younger that maybe it was an interest of mine, but I knew it was a long road and um, I just didn't really have the time to do it. Honestly, like it sounds, I mean, you know, other people make it work, but I, I didn't before my injury. So I took the opportunity of being injured and being out of work um, to go back to school. And so I um, went to a community college. I went to Mass Bay Community College in Wellesley for two years. Um, I just finished and I got my associates and a full ride um, to UMass Boston with the Foster Furcolo Scholarship. He was a he was a governor in Massachusetts, I guess. And um, he had like created the community college program. So one, one community college graduate um, receives the scholarship and goes to a state school of their choosing. So I'm wicked excited to like be going to UMass Boston in the fall. Um, I'm 29. I just turned 29. So I'm, I feel old and I'm not going there for the college experience or to party, obviously, but um, I'm excited to have, get an education and, and like pursue something that I never really saw for myself before. So that's another thing about spinal cord injury. It really can, you can, it can open doors, you know, that were not necessarily open before. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and talk a little bit about, um, you know, because, you know, you figured out that you wanted to go into psychology and then I'm sure you, um, you know, you look in the, in that space, there's like no, like, at least not that I know of any, um, at least that have been advertised to me that are, uh, in this situation that, that have a spinal cord injury that can talk and, and have a, you know, have a like experience with, you know, and understand what, what somebody in our situation is going through. So I think that's a great, uh, you know, great opportunity to, to get out there and do that. Absolutely. You know, at Spalding, I was, I, Spalding was incredible. I would not, I, that experience was amazing. It was such a beautiful building, scenery, location just everything like the rehab the pts ot's recreational therapists like everything about there was so great um i was a little surprised that the psychologists that were coming in to talk to the patients were were not disabled not that like you know obviously you can't like discriminate against somebody that's not disabled to like have it but I just think that that would be so beneficial. They did have peer mentors that would come in and um, I've since like joined the peer mentoring team and now I do that over at Spalding. But I think it would be just really, um, really encouraging to have like one of the psychologists on staff be, you know, in a chair or just, or have some sort of, you know, injury of some kind, you know, uh, that it, I think that it's just better for relating purposes and being able to like, get on that level with somebody like quicker because you're only there for a short time. And um, I'm not saying that's exactly what I want to do. I, I'm kind of torn. I, I either want to do that, like work at a rehab and be like the initial person somebody sees when they get hurt, or I want to have my own practice and, and follow people continuously. And those are two different, there's like the clinical aspect. And then there's like the, um, you can't even think of the word, but just the private 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 practice or, uh, aspects. So they're two different things, but I'm kind of sort. I have plenty of time to kind of decide which route I want to take. But yeah. Well, yeah. Congratulations on on getting your uh, AA and 
and uh, moving on to and getting that scholarship. That's exciting, man. And you're the, you know, the one person out of your, your community college that got that. That's uh, incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, super grateful. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. And, uh, you know, so, uh, and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely follow along in your journey and, and give some updates on the show and whatnot for, for when you do graduate and get, get started. Uh, you know, I, I know that I read on your uh, Instagram page that you're raising money right now to attend the Empower Spinal Cord Injury uh, Camp, I guess it is. And I'll, I'll post the link so that, you know, people, you know what, I actually raised enough money. I should oh. probably take that. All right. Great, man. <laughs> no, but <laughs> thank you so much for like plugging that in. No, I appreciate that. But um, yeah, I actually raised the money. So um, no worries, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working excited. But did you have you heard about that camp? No, I hadn't. So I was going to ask you about that. And, and, and yeah, I was hoping you were I was I was going to ask you if it looked like you were going to be able to to make it with uh, the amount of money you had raised. So yeah, that's great that you raised the money. But yeah, tell us about the camp and, and, uh, and when you're going to be attending. Yeah, so the camp is from uh, July 10th through the 16th. It's only a week this year. Usually it's two weeks. Um, and it's a, they call it the second chance at rehab. And you know, because, because when we first get hurt, we need to learn so much so fast, right? So they now that I've been injured for a couple of years, um, there are things that me and everybody else that like, we learn like, oh, we could have used more time on this. So we could have um, benefited from, you know, learning this more, this, whatever, whatever it may be like, say a Florida chair transfer, for example, which I cannot do um, <laughs> right now. But um, so that's what this camp is like generally all about plus recreation therapy that so it's definitely like a summer camp which I used to go to summer camp as a kid so this will be very nostalgic for me but um yeah they it's like based it's geared to like you know help us figure out what how we can benefit our function you know now now that we have like a baseline now that we know what we need to work on what we don't so I'm excited. I'm excited. And I love recreate. I love adaptive sports. Um, I, so not really, I haven't really tried any team ones like basketball or hockey or, or murder ball. Um, I'm scared of murder ball. Why do I want another injury? (laughs) Um, That looks great. That looks crazy for sure. I've literally been recruited for murder ball and I'm like, no, I'm okay. Um, but I love biking like with a recumbent bicycle. I love, um, skiing, I love um, kayaking. Um, I, I want to try horseback riding. I, so I like those more solitary, like, like by yourself. Like, um, yeah, so what did, which ones do they offer at the camp? They have like, I know I've seen people, yeah, like uh, water skiing. And water skiing, like yeah, they have that. They have the biking. Um, obviously not skiing because um, it's not in season. Um, what else do they have? I... I think that, you know, kayaking, a lot of the water ones, um, and then probably team building exercises. And, and I think that they do like a campfire at night and talk about, you know, feelings and things like that, which would, would be great practice for me. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that I'm going to really enjoy it and try to get as much out of it as I can. Yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing, man. That's really very cool. Um, and I, I'm excited. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to hear about, about your experience after you, you make it out there. That'd be, that, that, that'd be very Absolutely. cool to hear about so 
Um, yeah. You know, and then I guess the my kind of last question for you is just, um, you know, getting to work for the Boston Red Sox. Like, how yeah. how did that come about? Like, that's, you know, it seems like it's a cool experience. Seems like the fans are really into it, like coming up and meeting you and stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, honestly, it's been that. really a trip. It's been really cool. Um, I had no idea. Like, I'm all about, like, letting things come to you. I think that that's like a, like a, that's like something that I've, really put into practice after getting this injury is like allowing things to come to you. I mean, we have to work for what we want, right? I don't, I think we can't just let, I should rephrase it differently. I just, you know, I, I basically like taking advantage of opportunities that like come to us basically. And so I was at a game with my mom on Labor Day and um, she's a wicked baseball fan. And I, I'm, I'm not a huge, huge sports guy, but I do, I love Boston. I'm a, you know, I love, Boston sports so um I just don't follow like other teams and things like that but I had started talking to one of the ushers that was working there and we just started spitballing and and that turned into an email which then turned into you know a group email with me and the diversity and inclusion coordinator and I had gone in and had lunch with them a couple of times and just trying to find out what would work with me in the park. I mean, like I had mentioned earlier too, Boston's old and so is Fenway Park. It's 110 years old. So it's a very, you know, difficult park as far as a wheelchair is concerned, but they do a really good job at trying to accommodate, at, at accommodating everybody. And, um, you know, kudos to them. I now work for them and it's been so cool, like getting back into the workforce. It's such a great introductory job. Um, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that it worked out. Uh, cause I, I didn't go to that game, like looking for a job, you know, like, but now working there, I'm like, I, okay. I like, I'm very proud of myself. I have to say, I, I'm I don't, I'm not trying to like sound like that, but I mean, I'm working, I'm going to school, I'm driving. I just got an apartment. So things in my life have really come together this year and it's been, a lot of like ups and downs and hard work, but um, yeah, I'm just super grateful and and proud. So that, no, that's very very cool, Stefan. Um, did so? Did you just you started this this uh, 2022 baseball season is when you started working there? Yeah. Yep. And they've been they've been doing all right. <laughs> yeah, no, they've been they're... doing a lot better. Honestly, they've been doing a lot better. And um, they started off kind of rocky the like in April uh in part of may but they've really turned it around so they're winning a lot of games and uh yeah it's it they're they're long it's a long day we have to get there two hours early and then we leave when everybody else leaves so it's um it it's helping with my endurance for sure i'm really grateful for that i can understand why that this job has was kind of like came to me and because maybe i needed to work on you know, endurance and <laughs> staying awake. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier or not, but how long after your injury were you able to get back driving again? Uh, it had, it was two years. I had started, I, I was very adamant, like that, that was going to be a part of my future. I, when I was in rehab, I, I got hooked up with, um, you know, I don't know what her title is now, or I don't know what her title was, but I had gotten hooked up with somebody that works in the outpatient, you know, floor of Spalding and she kind of specialized in the, you know, 
setting you up to like go that route. And I, I was like, I want my license this year. And she was like, okay, that's like a huge, I mean, she's like, good luck. I'll give you all the information. But um, yeah, that didn't work out the first year. I was, you know, it was impossible to do that, but I got it. Um, I got it. the So the second July. Yeah. So I got injured in May and I think like two Julys later I got it. So it was like two years. Um, but it was a, it was a process I had to take driving. I'm not driver's ed, but I had to do driving time again. I had to take a driver's test. I had to take a, like a road test, which was like so nerve wracking at 20, what was I, 26. I was like, and I was like, I have to take a road test right now. I don't know if I can do this. And, um, with hand controls of all things and, and, you know, it obviously went well. And, um, now I'm whipping around the city in my minivan. And let me tell you, I love my minivan. Love it. Love it. I love it. I, people like make fun of me because I'm like, yeah, I, or I make fun of myself. I'm like, I have a minivan at 29, no kids, but I could not care less. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> no, there, there's some pretty great ones, man, for sure. Um, you know, that it makes me think of one more question that I wanted to ask you though. Um, you so you get injured in 2000 may of 2018 you spent six months basically in the hospital and then you get out and i mean probably by that point essentially a year later everything get the world gets shut down for covid um you know and and people I, i feel like people with spinal cord injuries people that are paralyzed whatever the case may be um, you know, we deal with a lot of like being alone or, you know, be, like, not having a lot of people around, whatever the case may be. And, you know, what was that like, I guess, going from, you know, just being injured or being pretty newly injured to having like the world shut down around you and, and having to uh, kind of overcome that? Because I'm sure you probably couldn't go in for rehab anymore, uh, at least temporarily. Um, you know, yeah. What, what was that experience like for you? You know, um, it's funny, two things kind of spring to mind. And it's like, the first thing is that like, I was already, I was already isolated a lot and able to like, now I, in a way, I was like set up to navigate that already, because I had been spending a lot of time by myself and I was out of work and I wasn't in school yet. So my time, my time was not, I had a lot of idle time, you know, but then Another, you know, the other side is that actually, so I got really depressed, um, like, like I said, my second year. So it was like around May, around my injury time, uh, May of 2020. And so March 13th, I think we went into lockdown and it was May that I really like got really depressed. So I guess I wasn't as set up as I thought I was. I got, I mean, because <laughs> it was around that time that I really uh, got really sad about my injury in my life and what had happened to me. And, um, you know, luckily I was able to get out of it. But, um, and, you know, see, I saw a therapist. I, um, I got on Prozac, honestly. I don't know if that's TMI, but that helped me a lot. So uh, no shame in that. But, um yeah, COVID was tough on everybody, right? I think it was just really hard. I never got COVID, knock on wood. Um, yeah, not kidding me. Either. But I, I was, you know, really nervous about it because of our respiratory systems. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening in the world? And it was just so bizarre. And I couldn't see my family or friends. And 
um, just stuck in the house. But I, w- I was used to like, you know, everyone else's lives moving on around me and me being feeling kind of stuck. So in that way, I feel like the alone time, I don't want to say it didn't bother me as much because I did, you know, get sad, but I don't know. I can't, ex- I honestly am having a hard time putting it into words, but yeah, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Well, and like coinciding with that kind of second year anniversary of your injury, everything going on lockdown, that's, uh, that's gotta be Terrible tough. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be tough for sure. But you know, Hey, it sounds like you're doing great now. Like I know, you, you know, just when you were described, like describing that you were in your new apartment there, um, you know, you just see the, see the joy on your face with that. And, um, you know, Sounds like things are, are really going in, in a good direction for you, Stefan. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thank you so much. And oh, you're so welcome. We'll definitely keep in touch and uh, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, we'll hear about the about the empower camp and all of that sort of stuff down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. No, and I just want to say thanks again. I appreciate you um, talking to me and and yeah, chatting. Sure. All right, man. Well, until next time, thanks so much, Stephen Gelly. Uh, we will, uh, yeah, definitely keep in touch here. And thank you again, man. Awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Yep.